Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The things when I heard the news I didn't mean to call Cliff that I can't remember what you ran Or if you liked the three Please help Steve Please help us fly Got another point guard And we are starting with Radio 92.7 FNZ. It is the Nick Wilson Show. That is the hack song of the week. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to have to hear that again at 11, at noon, and then at 1.40 because I got about uh, 25% of the song. All right. That is, so I wanted my lack of laughing leading in. Please understand that is not an indictment of the hack song. It is a reality uh, that I wouldn't shut my big fat mouth when talking to the boss or to Jessica Charman in the studio because we're having so much fun. But if you listened to the Hack Song of the Week, send in your grades, 704-570-9610. And again, we are going to listen to that again at 11 and at noon. And then at 140 for the final rendition, Hacksaw will be joining us. And we will get down to uh, grading it ourselves. What I heard of the Hack Song, I liked. But I need to hear it from the start. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, happy Friday, guys. We got a lot to get into today. Uh, coming up at 1140 today, five questions. We bump it one hour earlier because, of course, at 1240, we've got the Gold Brick Ceremony. The Gold Brick Candidates already up on WFNZ.com's, uh, sorry, on WFNZ on Twitter. You can listen and vote now through the end of the show. Oh, and then at Noon, we've got Bobby Carpenter, a big-time Big Ten former player, also now with OutKick and Sirius XM College. He's going to join us. We'll talk about uh, the huge, and I mean absolutely insane, news in college football that came about the end of yesterday's show. The Big Ten has uh, has done their best to answer the SEC adding the uh, Texas and Oklahoma one summer ago. They've added UCLA and USC. Bobby, as a Big Ten legend, will react to that. We've also got Dave Damashek at 1 p.m. Extra Points Pod, full-on summer sports talk with Dave Damashek. But how the hell you doing? I mean, it's a Friday. We got the hack song going. It's a Hawaiian shirt Friday. Y'all can check out the picture. Itty Bitty Fitty did his best to look his best today in the picture, including he stood on a chair. It looks like Hervé Villachez standing on a chair next to Andre the Giant 
And then, you know, the camera, the camera, we kind of just tilted it a specific way. That's at Nick Wilson says on Twitter and Instagram if you want to see that picture. But we have developments in the Miles Bridges situation. And yesterday, all we knew when we came on air yesterday is that Miles Bridges had been arrested, had to turn himself in, but had been arrested and charged with felony uh, domestic violence abuse. And that's all we really knew. And yesterday, my message was, on a human level, I'm just really disappointed that Miles would put himself in this position. Now, that does not mean, because I've heard a lot of people, and I, and I understand the impulse to do this, a lot of people automatically just dump, jump to, he's guilty, he should never play again. And in most cases, I understand the emotional response to that. In most cases, guys, as somebody who grew up the son of a domestic violence survivor, I would agree with you. It is tough not to have an emotional and visceral reaction to this. And that was before we got the social media post from his uh, his wife, Michelle Johnson. Uh, really overnight is when I saw them. And so I understand it. If you have an emotional decision to this, I don't think you're wrong. I, I'm going to try and learn my lesson when when we were together with the, with the Sean Watson stuff. Once it hit about 10 allegations, I started to really find myself believing that Deshaun Watson was guilty until proven innocent. And the reality is that's kind of how public opinion works anyways. I still think there is some level of guilt with Deshaun Watson. But the more we've talked about it, the more I understand the flaw in, in talking about that publicly in that way. There is something to be said to letting the process play out. I feel more certain there's some degree of guilt with Deshaun Watson now than I was when the story first came out or when when Tony Busby started the the lawyer for the uh, for for the uh, alleged victims when he started publicizing this. I feel more certain now. But I wish I would have I wish I wouldn't have have presumed guilt in the first place. So I'm going to try not to presume guilt just because I saw the social media pictures of what Miles Bridges or sorry, the uh, the person that that Michelle Johnson is is in a relationship with. That's how she poses it. She never names Miles Bridges. But uh, I'm going to try and even though I saw the pictures and to me. The, the even more impactful thing wasn't just the pictures, but then there's a video on Instagram of their son, Ace, talking about what he saw. So I'm going to try to come at this from a point of these are heinous allegations. And if true, Miles Bridges has a lot of 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 healing to do. And because and uh, hear me what I'm saying. He needs to help others heal. He needs to own, if this is true, what he did to his spouse in front of his kids. And then he needs to do a lot of recovering as a human being. And I'm not talking from a PR sense. He has to do a lot of work on himself. So I find myself still incredibly disappointed that whether these allegations are true or not, I find myself incredibly disappointed in Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, that we knew two months ago, was a good family man, a good dad, and the kind of guy that we wanted in Charlotte for the next 10 years. We wanted we wanted uh, Miles in the Hornets' ring of honor. We wanted Miles uh, to help LaMelo get this franchise to the mountaintop. Those things still might happen. 
that I'm a lot less certain today, and I was a lot less certain yesterday, that I still wanted him around. I still think the number one thing for me, the guy that covers, I'm not here to to say I think Miles is guilty or not. I don't know. The, the, the allegations are pretty damning and pretty upsetting, especially as the son of a woman who is a domestic violence survivor. But you and I are, are okay to make emotional decisions. It is well within your and my and anybody listening here's purview to, to look at these allegations and have a very visceral reaction. And I wouldn't blame you. I will not blame you, especially if you have a history close to what my history is or what my mom's history is. I will not blame you. I cannot judge you. If you think Miles Bridges should never play again in the NBA or don't you pull the qualifying offer, I get it. it it's going to be tough to root for Miles Bridges. I'm glad in a, in, a, in a weird way, two years ago, I was deciding between buying my daughter's uh, LaMelo jersey and a Miles Bridges jersey. I feel fortunate that... I don't have to make the decision on whether to throw my kids' hornet stuff away. Because I'm not going to have a Miles Bridges jersey in my house. I, I chose LaMelo two years ago, and I'm fortunate I don't have to make that with, with things that involve other people in my family. But the worst decision the Hornets can make right now is one of decision, uh, is one of emotion. It will, as this thing comes out, whether it's whether it gets worse from here or whether the allegations that we saw are as bad as it's going to get, there are going to be a time where the Hornets have to ask themselves, should we walk away from Miles Bridges? And should we do it without any regard to what it means for the basketball side of things for the Charlotte Hornets? Today, at least as of this moment, 10.07 on a Friday in June, today is not that moment. Because nobody's going to be knocking down their door to sign Miles Bridges after this latest round of allegations. Miles' biggest, Miles biggest problem right now isn't where is he going to play next year. Miles' biggest problem is are you going to spend time in jail? I said yesterday, and I still tend to believe this, Miles is a guy who's going to have a lot of money. He's a famous athlete. And we see a lot of times that even if these allegations can be proven, it's really tough to see Miles Bridges spending time in jail. That's the sad fact of the society that we live in. But for the Hornets, as much as it's okay, as much as anybody in that organization, as much as you and I are allowed to have the emotional decision and emotional reaction, it privately, they can have the same thing. But there's no need to make a decision today on Miles Bridges' future. One, I don't know they're going to have to. You don't really get a financial incentive from pulling the qualifying offer for Miles Bridges. You just you just are farther away from going into the luxury tax. There's no real... It's not as if this is going to open up $25 million and the organization can just move on scot-free. It's not that simple. They're already over the cap, considerably over the cap. So from the financial side of things, it doesn't really make sense one way or another to have the emotional reaction and say, by going to Miles Bridges. And more importantly, Miles' question is not, is he going to be a Hornet or a Piston next year? Miles has to figure out whether he's going to be in the NBA next year. 
This is not a Hornets issue. This is an NBA issue now. This is a legal issue first, and then it becomes a Miles Bridges issue after that. Once we figure out, or once the legal situation figures out whether he's going to face time, whether there's going to be opportunities to plea out of time, the worst decision right now for an organization, both financially, both emotionally, both uh, considering the locker room, considering on the court, is to overreact. And I get it if you want the Hornets to pull that qualifying offer and you don't want Miles to ever play again for the Charlotte Hornets. But that's a, uto- a utopian idea. In a perfect world, Miles would never dot, dot, dot if these things are true. But until those things are either proven true or we find more out, the Hornets have to sit pat. The Hornets do not deserve your criticism for not pulling the qualifying offer the second Michelle Johnson posted this stuff on social media. Miles Bridges deserves your criticism. And and at some point, once it gets beyond that, if the Hornets were to, to offer him a max contract and he signed it tomorrow, then let's criticize the Hornets. Right now, they need to do the best thing for the Charlotte Hornets, which is distance themselves from Miles, but patiently wait for this thing to play out. Things can change that. We talked about the variables yesterday. Michelle Johnson posting stuff on social media. That's a variable that can change this. I don't think it would... I don't, Guys, I'll tell you right now. I don't know it's the wrong idea if they do pull the qualifying offer. Completely defensible. But standing pat, being patient, and just getting more information and allowing time to play out, I think that's crucial. Because I saw somebody in the text line saying, Nick, abusive people never change. I don't necessarily agree with that that theory. I don't think it's the most likely thing. But Michelle Johnson in her Instagram post said something about Miles needing to get help. I don't know whether his issues are solely with abuse, whether they are related to something else. I don't know. But I'm not setting... There is Miles Bridges jerseys being in my house. There is rooting for Miles Bridges. And then there is... Salvation for Miles Bridges. Those are two pretty separate things. 704-570-9610. We've got a loader show for you today, guys. Coming up at, uh, you know what? I almost forgot to tell you guys. Coming up at, at 1140, or 11, <laughs> coming up at 11, we are going to be doing our uh, college athletic super draft. We teased this at the end of the show. Itty Bitty Fitty and I are going to sift through the remains of college athletics and create our two super conferences as done so by Nick and Itty Bitty Fitty. Five questions coming up at 11.40. 12, it's Bobby Carpenter of OutKick. Uh, the coverage, we'll talk with him about the Big Ten uh, expansion, the Gold Brick Ceremony. At 12.40, you guys can listen to those candidates and vote now at WFNZ on Twitter. And then Dave Damashek coming up at the Extra Points podcast at 1. Seeing what we've seen, did the Michelle Johnson social media post, did that change your theories on whether it was time for the Hornets to cut bait with Miles Bridges? And uh, Miles Bridges and the Hornets' future, not the only thing in question in the NBA. Sports Radio, 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. The latest on conference realignment. 
which got kicked up uh, yesterday. Coming up in about 20 minutes here. Uh, and Itty Bitty Fitty and I will be doling out programs. Itty Bitty Fitty is going to be the SEC. I will be the Big Ten. We are uh, celebrating Hawaiian Shirt Friday, though. And I think if you guys haven't seen the video, I'd like to just point out, for once, Itty Bitty Fitty's shirt is louder than mine. He looks like a beautiful Hawaiian sunset over there. And uh, I went I went a little laid back. I think this was to... Uh, I think this is the time to, to give Itty Bitty Fitty the win. Itty Bitty Fitty, you're welcome on Hawaiian Shirt Friday. Well, I have to thank you for the victory. Well, because I was afraid. So, I, so what you're referring to is that I got annoyed before I went to the cabin that you hadn't bought a, a, uh, a Hawaiian shirt yet. So I, uh, I went to the Jeff Bezos store of Hawaiian shirts and bought that bad boy for you because I knew – we, I, there's something about you. You're, you're a Southern gentleman. You're a little understated. I knew you would go a little too quiet for me. So if I was going to give you the gift of paying $17 for a Hawaiian shirt, I was going loud as hell. And I feel like I, I feel like I could have done more damage, but I feel like I at least got most of the gold done. Are you saying I don't give off Bob Marley vibes and I don't like the loud? Because I think I like the loud. I okay. So it's comparative. You're not as loud as as I am. Like Literally I, and figuratively. I, I, I prefer to be, I like my Hawaiian shirt collection is so loud, if you look at it too long, you're going to go deaf. How many Hawaiian shirts do you have in your closet? At least seven. At oh, least okay. seven. And I'm looking to add more. As a matter of fact, I probably, like if we go through button-ups or polos or like go through outside of just t-shirts, I probably have more Hawaiian shirts than I do any other individual style of shirts. I probably have five polos versus seven Hawaiian shirts at least. I probably have five or six button-ups versus seven Hawaiian shirts. Okay. So if you guys are celebrating, 704-570-9610. We want to see your pictures on the Garage Door Guru text line or at Nick Wilson Says on social media. But while we're dealing with the Miles Bridges situation, the rest of the NBA offseason is underway and... We've just, it's so funny to me to see some of the deals passed out and put it in context. I remember in 1996 when Albert Bell left the then Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians, for $10 million a year. And I remember my dad being uh, 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 probably my age at the time saying, Why the hell do you need that much money? Like, what's the difference between $8 million and $10 million? And now in the NBA, that's like the average number that's like the mid-level exception right now is like $10 million. DeLon Wright just got like, it was like two, no, actually, uh, Malik Monk just went to Sacramento for two years, 20 million, or two years, $19 million. So roughly the same amount that, that 25 years ago was the contract that was going to quote unquote break baseball. But it was wild to watch the money fly in because usually... There's a flurry of first-day activity. And then what dictates the market in the NBA offseason is after that first day, day and a half of money being spent, then it's like, all right, where is DeAndre Ayton going? Where is, if he was not facing the very serious uh, felonious charges, where is Miles Bridges going? We would look at the superstars, and that would determine the rest of the NBA market. There's something else, though, that's going to determine the NBA market, and it happened 
yesterday. And it, rem- it, it is why the NBA offseason, on average, remains king of offseason shenanigans. The NFL finally crept up to their level this last year with Russell Wilson, with Deshaun Watson, with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, all the moves that were made. Aaron Rodgers and his Aaron Donald and his threatening retirement thing uh, that led to a contract extension and a raise in L.A. This was the first year that the NFL really reached the peak levels of NBA offseason insanity. And then what did the NBA do? It said it looked at the NFL offseason and said, hold my beer. Because after yesterday's show, the Woj bomb that came out, the Shams bomb that came out, is that Kevin Durant demanded a trade out of Brooklyn. And there's a few different reasons. One is he was hoping Kyrie Irving would get a long-term contract extension in Brooklyn. And when that didn't happen, he, he broke off communications with the Nets. Kevin Durant being available in the open market has made the NBA offseason so damn spicy. Because where do you want him? Like Miami is one of his preferred, Miami and Phoenix are two of his preferred destinations. And I'm just going to be, I'll tell you why. Flat out, I don't think Phoenix makes sense. I'll get to that in a second. But Kevin Durant in Miami, I'd, I'd put serious money on Kevin Durant and, and Jimmy Butler if that is the trade, or if, if those two would both be in, in Miami, I would put good money that Miami would be the champions next year. What do you have? Could Jimmy Butler and KD coexist? Because when I was thinking through this yesterday, Mm-hmm. I think you got to send Jimmy back to Brooklyn. I don't know if, if they can play together. Why? I don't know if KD's tough enough to play with a guy like Jimmy. I actually think, well, I mean, he played with Draymond. Draymond's a legit psychopath. I'm talking about like, okay, and I mean, like Draymond's got the rings, but like Jimmy Butler can kick three quarters of the guys' ass in the NBA. Well, and I, it's, it's, it's threatened to do it in Minnesota. So I actually think that that helps Kevin. Kevin, by all accounts, Steve Clifford actually said it when he was introduced because he spent last year as a, you know, coaching something or other in in Brooklyn. And he said he's the best teammate he's ever seen, the hardest worker, so considerate. But Kevin is not, Kevin has just shown time and time again, and I don't mean this, sometimes I say this in a mean way, he is a beta. Like he is not, he might be a really good dude and he might be a really, you know, really careful and considerate and all that, but like... There's a reason why him and Russ didn't work in OKC. They didn't win a title. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason why the only the best success he's ever had was with a proven entity full of like winning culture. He's not Kevin Durant in and of himself is not going to build a culture of winning. He didn't do it in Brooklyn. And now when I say winning, I'm not talking about just winning in the regular season. I'm talking about winning in the postseason. And I think Kevin Durant walking into the Heat culture which I do think is very similar to the Golden State culture. Him walking into that culture with a guy who is an alpha actually will take some of the load off KD. It would kind it, of be like when LeBron, and I'm not taking a shot, but like, <laughs> like, like when LeBron went and joined D-Wade in Miami. I can understand that. It's about, well, in this case, KD has already learned what it takes to win, mm-hmm. but which I think was really the, the point behind LeBron going to, to Miami with Dwayne Wade. But like, I just think, Jimmy's going to take a lot of the fire. And in the end, in Miami, KD is going to get the credit. If they win a title, if KD and Jimmy Buckets went out there and won a title next year, KD would get the, get the lion's share of the credit because he's the better player, and that's kind of how this works. And so since we're all about legacies, 
wouldn't his legacy benefit if he went to Miami and won a title as opposed to Phoenix and won a title, or am I wrong? No, I think it's Phoenix because they've never won a title. If you can if you can pull the sword from the stone and win a title in a town for the first time, that is a legacy point. Like the LeBron thing with Cleveland. It also happens Cleveland was not a good organization in the first place. So, like, I actually think Phoenix makes sense from that standpoint. The problem is you can't choose the Nets over the Knicks because – James Dolan is a jackass and then go play for Robert Sarver. Yeah. Because for all the things you can say about James Dolan, haven't heard a lot of whispers about him being a racist. Yeah. He's Ro just a bad owner. Ro Robert Sarver is a bad human. Yeah. No, he's not too far off the guy that kicked out of the NBA a decade ago in Donald Sterling. If you believe the reports and the vast reports that are out there. Uh, but besides that, the Kevin Durant, where Kevin Durant lands is absolutely going to change the landscape of the NBA. Uh, if he goes to Portland, I think uh, I would love to see that. I, I actually might root for Kevin Durant again if he goes to Portland because I just have a real soft spot for Dame Lillard and his love of the small market of Portland. That would be a lot of fun to watch. But I think it becomes more interesting because there's a there's a scenario out there where both Katie and Kyrie come out of this situation with me liking them a little bit more. And if Kevin Durant were to go to Portland, I think if I'm Kyrie... I for I think it I think it's logical you force your way out to the Lakers. Nope. I mean the Lakers. You're going to win a title if you go to the Lakers. That's that's fair. I think the place I try and go is Dallas. Well, with Luca, Luca and Kyrie together. One, Luca might be a bit of a whiny bee. Luca is the bright and shining hope of the NBA, and we've already seen Kyrie have the best time the best years of his career and he was a little younger but the best years of his career when he played next to one of the best facilitators in NBA history in LeBron James. Luca has that same engine as a player. There LeBron is a different level of athleticism, but like Luca and LeBron from a skill standpoint are not incredibly dissimilar. Or sorry, they're they are incredibly similar. So I think Kyrie and Luca together I think Kyrie's the kind of move. It's it's a total risk if you're Dallas, but it's the kind of risk you should take with Luca. With Luca, because Kyrie and Luca together in Dallas, winning. I think that has a real chance of winning a championship alongside, uh, you know, uh, Christian Wood, who they just traded for. Uh, I, they signed somebody too, and I can't remember who the hell it was. They signed somebody free agency. I really like the move they made, and clearly I'm doing a great job of explaining <laughs> it. So that to me is what makes this interesting is I would be really shocked if you saw Brooklyn trade KD and they don't find a new place for Kyrie. Do you think there's a scenario where they both get traded to the same destination? Because there was that one report that they they still want to play together. It's just no longer in the shadow of the New York Knicks and the, with the so, Brooklyn Nets. No, and here's why. They don't have as much power as they would on the open market. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Durant is there for four more years, and he doesn't have a no trade. So in reality, this is this this is one of the things where I'd be shocked if they did it because if Brooklyn dogged Kevin Durant, if like they just sent him to Sacramento out of spite, like that's going to have repercussions long term for Sean Marks and their owner that I don't think they want to. But theoretically, they they can sit back and wait for the right the right opportunity to come, the best offer. And even though he's 34, even though he's two years removed from the Achilles. You're still going to get a hell of a lot. I don't think you're going to get, one, how many Kevin Durant's are there in the NBA? Not many. But, like, you mentioned KD and Jimmy Buckets. 
I would make that trade if I was Miami. I don't think you're going to have to, but I would make that trade. If it was KD for Paul George in assets, I'd make that trade if I was if I was Brooklyn. And I'd make that trade if I was LA as well. So I think I think Kevin Durant's still going to go for a song, but I don't think you're going to want to lessen the value of Kevin Durant by attaching the Kyrie contract to it. That's the other part of it, where a Kyrie and KD being traded together and also who the hell has $80 million in cap space they can send back <laughs> or $30 million? Well, well, as we learned in the NFL offseason, the cap is a made-up figure. You can make money. Not in the NBA. The NBA <laughs> also, is actually. Also that, so that cap exists. Yeah. Not, it, it's totally different. I know what you're going at, and I don't hate it. But I do think this, and we saw a rash of mass extensions. Nikola uh, Jokic got one. John Morant got one. Nikola Jokic got the biggest contract in NBA history. In NBA history. Was it four years, 270, or was it five years, 270? I think it was like five years with that last year's a player option, and it's uh -huh. worth up to $60 million. Is that all? Think about, I just, I, the Jokic brothers can eat. You just you used to look at people like you look at me. You know I can put it down, right? <laughs> like you know I can put some food down like next level. I look at the Jokic brothers and like they could go to the dollar dog stand and spend $1,000 and eat every bit of things they, they buy. I really believe that. Think of how much food the, that $60 million option is going to buy the Jokic brothers. Between his money and then the money that Novak Djokovic has made playing tennis, they could end hunger in Serbia. I just like the idea that they're like, because there's the money that Nikola Jokic makes, and then there's the money that his brothers extort out of everybody for scaring the crap out of them. Uh, again, they'll eat well in the Jokic household there. We'll get into this a little bit later in the show, but this does bring the question to the Hornets here. If if it's a stand pat with Miles, if it's wait and see with Miles, what moves would you like to see the Hornets make? We'll get back to that, but uh, the NBA in the only league making moves. Next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Uh, the Nick Wilson, itty-bitty-fitty, college football, college athletic super draft coming up in just about 20 minutes. But uh, that's coming in play because of the huge news we got at the end of yesterday's show. That at the time, it was being reported and then confirmed that UCLA and USC were in late-stage negotiations to join the Big Ten. And since then... It's come to pass. They will uh, they will join the Big Ten in uh, in, in all sports uh, as early as 2024. And Bobby Carpenter, who we're going to have coming up at noon, has has already said and, and kind of tweeted out, this isn't the end of college realignment. The way I took that to mean is that before the end of the summer, there's a real chance that more more uh, college programs make that jump so that the years of 2024, uh, they kind of all happens at once. Very similar to how uh, the Big 12 responded to losing Texas and OU. And the reality is, it's shocking because it is two of the bedrock institutions of the Pac-12. But it's not shocking because the Big 10 was looking to make a splash. The Big 10... There is, for all the rivalries we can talk about, the Big Ten and SEC, both financially, uh, in terms of on the field, off the field, academically, they're shaping up 
Financially, they have the wherewithal to, to be able to make this happen. But they're shaping up to be a huge, significant conference rivalry. There has been one for a while now, but it's now gone into overdrive. And there was no way that the Big Ten was going to allow the SEC to strike first with Texas and OU joining the SEC without responding. USC and UCLA, it's not the football jump that you get from Texas and OU joining, but from the basketball and football jump, USC football, and quite frankly, USC basketball is pretty damn good as well. But USC football joining the Big Ten is Herculean. It is significant. It is incredibly significant. Somehow calling it significant isn't significant enough. Uh, and then UCLA basketball joining the Big Ten. This now, what becomes interesting is how how do these two super conferences, if that's what ends up being, if it ends up being two super conferences, how do they div divvy up the basketball schools? Because right now I would give... Even with USC, I would give the SEC an edge, football-wise. I might give the edge, basketball-wise, to the Big Ten after utilizing and, and adding UCLA. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of, of this goes. But I'm not. I'm not a fatalist. And I said this yesterday on the show. It's getting really late in the hour for the ACC to survive. Jim Phillips is out here trying to f trying to get a headquarters in Charlotte uh, with help and aid of the state of, of uh, North Carolina, and there might not be an ACC when the damn thing's built. They should build it right next to the, the Rock Hill. They should build, like, we, we should be, all right, well, this was the, the Panthers half-built headquarters. All right, now over here is the ACC half-built headquarters. But... The longer this thing goes on, because I still think it's going to take, for there to be more than just two super conferences, it's going to take somebody with actual cojones to save uh, the idea of a third super conference. And listen, the reason why it's not, the reason why it won't be the Pac-12 is George Klyakov. He was the weakest of the Power Five commissioners, and he never did anything to strengthen his hand. Maybe he didn't have options. Maybe I'm just, but he didn't have any card to play that would strengthen his option. And quite frankly, the alliance is what did him in. He, he, G George Klyakov agreeing to the alliance with the AC, with the, with the uh, ACC and the Big Ten. He let his guard down. He assumed that the Big Ten or the ACC wasn't going to ravage his conference which makes him a moron which makes him quite frankly from a business sense weak he, he should have understood that that alliance was tentative at best he took it beyond face value and that's why the pac-12 is about to disintegrate unless they can find unless they do what the big 12 well let's go ahead and scrounge out a couple mountain west teams Let's see what other independents might be out there. And even then, guys, good luck finding something akin to UCLA and UC USC. You're only staving off what feels like an, an, an inevitability. But there's still time for the ACC. Big 12 without Texas and OU, really, really hurt. Really, really damaged. 
it's it's not quite a group of five conference, but it's not quite a power five conference anymore. The Pac-12 without UCLA and USC, not quite a power five conference anymore. The ACC still is. But every day that this goes on, that Jim Phillips doesn't go on the offensive, is every day closer to the fact that the ACC is going to be a goner. I'm not fatalistic. If Jim Phillips suddenly suddenly develops uh, testicular fortitude, the ACC can be saved. But Andy Benefitti and I got into an interesting off-air discussion because he thinks the Big 12 is going to be the third super conference standing. And I think right now the Big 12 is in a better position than the ACC because the ACC has done nothing. The Big 12 at least responded to losing Texas and OU by by getting BYU, good program, Cincy, good program, adding other programs that are quality. They're not what you lost, but it's enough to stabilize you. Jim Phillips' inability to add Notre Dame as a football member, as a full member, is problematic. He's hamstrung by the TV cons, uh, contract, and that's fair to say. But I think if Jim Phillips in the next, like, six months doesn't offer to absorb the Big 12 and the rest of the Pac-12, specifically, it's like Oregon. Oregon's got a crap ton of money in a prestige. Oregon and Washington probably would go together. If Jim Phillips doesn't go on the offensive we will see the last of the ACC because Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Duke, North Carolina, they're going to see the the $100 million payday and they're going to jump at the best possible ones. And when you lose those guys or if you lose two of those five programs, six programs, the heavyweights in the ACC, then you'll be where Pac-12 is. You want to add Charlotte? You want to add Old Dominion to the ACC? Stave it off for a few years? Maybe a little App State in the ACC to replace Clemson or Florida State? The next six months to a year will define whether Jim Phillips goes down as a great commissioner or whether he goes down as the man who oversaw, who stood on the deck of the Titanic as it crashed into an iceberg, split in half, and buried itself into the depths of the ocean. That's not alarmist. That's just where we are. I personally think there's still time. But every time, every second that elapses, you've got to get bigger and bolder. Notre Dame, crucially important. If Notre Dame joined the ACC right as a football member, full-fledged member in every way, Notre Dame would give you time. But you need something beyond that. The problem is I don't think Notre Dame's doing it. I could see Notre Dame ending up in the SEC just to spite the Big Ten because there's some weird relationship between Notre Dame and the the Big Ten that I'll never truly understand. Some sort of pettiness between both enterprises. But the fact that Notre Dame has yet to join the ACC as a full football member, yet, I think that moment might have passed. The grant of rights probably is not going to hold up. The $50 million or whatever it is, probably not going to stop Notre Dame from joining one of the other super conferences. And if that happens, it's only a matter of time. Notre Dame is the only program out there definitively that could reverse thrusters, reverse the power dynamics for the ACC specifically.
Beyond that, guys, this is why we're going to do the Super Draft. I don't know that two conferences versus three conferences, I don't know in the end that's going to matter that much. But I'm still going to root for the ACC until I see them sink to the depths of the, the bottom of the ocean. Because I think, for some reason, I think having three super conferences is just going to be more interesting. It'll add more intrigue for me because it won't just be, well, how many SEC teams, how many Big Ten teams? One thing I do think, if we're going to go to 25-team super conferences, can we... And I know what this means for schools like I grew up in with the with BG. Can we have one? Can we just have one cupcake game a year? I'd like to see a 11-game regular season for the Super Conferences. I don't just want to see the same status quo. Oh, Rutgers is going to beat up on a couple of power or group of five schools so their record's inflated. That holds no interest to me. Also, I'm also curious if we're going to get to a point where conferences start dropping weaker members. At Maryland, you haven't lived up to the bill. We'd rather Oregon than you. At uh, Rutgers, you suck. We're going to take Miami over you. I don't know that's going to happen, but it's definitely a thought that continues to cross my mind. So I'll ask you guys to start this. Is the ACC a goner? When we come back, we're going to make the ACC a goner, as it will be the Nick and Itty Bitty Fitty College Athletic Super Draft. Who should be the number one pick? Who holds the number one pick? That's next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.